0: listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damascotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. All right, so um, we're in the book of Judges, and two weeks ago, Um, We looked at the first half of the introduction of the book of Judges, so Judges chapter 1 verse 1 through chapter 2 verse 5, and so this morning we're going to look at the second half of the introduction, Judges chapter 2 verse 6 through chapter 3 verse 6. And if you remember two weeks ago, um, we, we talked about the great start that the nation of Israel had when they, they started con- the conquest of the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. But Joshua died, and they, they still were inquiring and asking of the Lord, okay, who's going to go up? And it was the tribe of Judah along with Simeon. And they started to do and conquest and take the territory that God had given to his people. But it didn't take long, if you remember, that there started to be failures of these tribes, Manasseh, Ephraim, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Dan, and they didn't fulfill what God had told them to do. They didn't follow through with his plan, with God's plan. And so God held them accountable to that, and it highlighted that we have a need for the gospel, that we have to deal with our sin, that we have a need for one another, Um, But ultimately, there's a picture here of God's faithfulness to his people despite or in spite of their unfaithfulness or their failure to do what God has asked them to do. And so it was a crisis of their inheritance, of their physical inheritance of the land. And now this morning, we're going to be looking at the crisis of Israel's faith. And what we're going to see this morning is that there is is idolatry that very quickly and subtly creeps into the lives and into the nation. There's apostasy. They turn their backs on their gods. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to read Judges chapter two, verses six through twelve, and then we're going to fast forward to Judges chapter three, and I'll read the first verse, first four verses of Judges chapter three. And so I want to ask you to please stand with me for the reading of God's word, and then I will pray for us, and then we will have fun this morning as we learn together. Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the lands. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath Haris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all that generation who were gathered to their fathers, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. Now chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generation of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines, and all the, of the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites, who lived on Mount Lebanon, from Mount baal Hermon as far as Libo hamath They were for the testing of Israel, to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and to spend time in your words. Lord, I'm thankful that you have given us your word and that your word is truth, Lord, and that you sanctify us with your words and that your word accomplishes exactly what you set it out to do. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have ears to hear, Lord, minds to understand. Lord, that we would not just be hearers of the word, that we would be doers. That we would take your word and apply it to our lives. Lord, that our lives would be changed, Lord, because we hear from you and that we know you and that we love you more because of our time here this morning. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So this morning is—it's a very kind of sobering passage, but it points to something great and beautiful, and that is the faithfulness of God. But before we get too much into Judges, I want to go back and look real quickly, and to provide some context. And so we're going to go back to jo- Joshua chapter twenty-three and twenty-four. So we're going to—I'm going to go move quickly to provide a context for us for what now is happening with the nation of Israel. Right, Joshua has divided up the land amongst the tribes. They have their inheritance. God gave Israel some rest after the initial conquest of the lands. But in Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, Joshua encourages the leaders, the, the elders, and the, the judges and the officers of the land to, to stay the course. To trust, to trust God's faithfulness, he says. And now I'm about to go. The, now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. God has shown Himself faithful. Stay the course. And pursue your gods. And then, just two verses later, in Joshua 23 16, he he warns them. He says, If you can transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. So there's this encouragement. And then there's this warning that if you're not faithful, judgment is coming. You'll experience the anger of the Lord's. And so there's this covenant renewal between the nation of Israel and their God that takes place at Shechem. And there's this reminder of all the things that God has done for them, starting with Abraham and then on to Isaac and Jacob through the Exodus, through the crossing over into the promised land and the taking of Jericho and the initial conquest of the promised land. God has done great things for you. And then Joshua encourages his people or calls his people, the nation of Israel, to make a choice. Joshua 24, verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me, In my house, we will serve the lords. You have a choice, people. Who are you going to serve? And the response of the people is that they're not going to ever abandon their God because of all that he has done for them. And Joshua pushes back on them and says, hey, you're not able to. To do this, and and if you abandon God, there are consequences for abandoning our gods. And the people respond with, No, but we will serve the Lords. And so Joshua says, You have to put away the gods of these lands. You have to listen to the one true God, our gods. And the people respond: The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. And there's a covenant that is made there with Joshua and the people. There's statutes and there's rules that are put in place. They're written down. And there's a stone that is put up as a witness to this covenant. And things look great. <laughs> and as we looked at two weeks ago, the conquest of the land started and it was going great. But then the people lost their way and didn't were faithful to fulfill what God had called them to do. And so now we arrive at our text this morning, and it's almost a repeat. The way it starts, it repeats the first half of the introduction. But Joshua has dismissed the people, and the people went to each of their own inheritance to take possession of the land that God had given them. These tribes had an obligation to fulfill the law, and to fulfill the word of God, to take possession of what God had given them, of what God had done. You you see there's a pattern here. God has done this. He has given them the land, and so now they must do because of what God has done. That is the gospel. We do because of what God has done. So they're to act and to, to take this land and give honor to God for all that He has done. And so the generation of Joshua was faithful. The elders who outlived Joshua, those people were faithful to God because they had seen all the great work that God had done for them. But then we get to chapter 10, verse 10 rather, of Judges chapter 2. And we read that there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. There was a generation that followed after Joshua, after the elders who outlived Joshua, who didn't know what God had done. They're going to fail to live by faith, even in light of this, this real history, these real things that God had done for them this generation that rises up and doesn't know their God and doesn't follow their God suffers from spiritual amnesia, if you will. And the result is going to be devastating. It's going to result in idolatry and apostasy. It's going to make them blind to God's power and to His truth and to His faithfulness. And although they couldn't live by sight, They were called to live by faith, right? They were, they were old enough. This generation was far enough removed where they didn't have, hey, we didn't see this, but we know this is what God has done for our people. They didn't see it, but they didn't live by faith. It's what Jesus told Thomas in John chapter 20, verse 29. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have Believed. It's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we walk by faith, not by sight. So there's no excuse for this generation that is now walking away from and turning their back on their God. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, have failed to keep the memory of God's faithfulness, of God's grace, of His mercy alive in their people in the subsequent generations that followed. It is a catastrophic failure. It's a catastrophic failure of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Moses writes these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I have commanded you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. They didn't do that. And so in light of all that God has done for them, they drift. And they were warned. Right? They were warned by Joshua. If you don't follow God, there will be consequences. And those consequences, we're going to read, happen. And they probably happened faster than the people realized. And the consequences are devastating. There's a generation who did not know God and the work that he had done. And this knowing, this not knowing piece, it's not just a lack of information. Right? But it's, it's a lack of sense. It's a lack of just this willingness to accept the responsibilities that you have because of what God has done. So God has done this, so now we must do this. So they don't even know what God has done, and they don't, they don't even care what they're supposed to do in response to it. There's no sense of obligation of honoring their God for all that he has done this is this is devastating. But yet this is the setting, right? for God's mercy and for his compassion and for his grace to be on display. Because although they turn their backs on him, he is going to remain faithful, and he is going to over and over and over again rescue and deliver his people. Despite their unfaithfulness, despite their forgetfulness, despite their lack of sense of obligation to him, despite their sin, he will remain faithful. And so you see the spiritual condition of the people It's this blindness and this amnesia, the spiritual amnesia that they have. And we can be really hard on the people of Israel. How could you possibly? You crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, for Pete's sake. You took Jericho, the biggest city in the land, by walking around it and screaming. But we, too... Are spiritually blind. We too forget. We're unfaithful. We lack the sense of obligation that we have to our God for all that He has done to us, for us, through His Son, Jesus. So we can't be too hard. This is to push now in and us to look at our own lives and to evaluate our own lives because the reality is when we lose sight. Of what God has done, when we lose sight of His grace and His mercy and His compassion towards us and His blessings that He bestows on us, when we lose sight of our God, we lose sight of our obligation that we have to Him for what He has done through Jesus. And this is what Peter talks about. 2 Peter chapter one, verses four through 11. right? Read that this afternoon. Well, Peter says that this is all that God, his divine powers granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is what God has done for you, Peter says, and so this is what now you must do. Make every effort to. And he just gives a list of the things that you're supposed to do in light of what God has done. And then he closes that section by says, if you don't do this, you become blind and you've forgotten the gospel. So there's this Doing because of what God has done. And there's a, in Judges, there's a doing because of what God has done. And so now the author of Judges takes three verses, Judges chapter 2, 11, 12, and 13, verses 11, 12, and 13, and details this apostasy. He, he defines it. Listen to what he says. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, And if you'd like to underline in your Bible, you underline that in your Bible, and you read the rest of Judges, and you'll underline that phrase six more times. Because the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They served the Baals. I'm going to count for you. Okay, let me start over. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served, number one, the Baals. And they abandoned, number two, the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after, number three, other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and bowed down, number four, to them. And they provoked, number five, the Lord, to anger They abandoned, number six, the Lord, and number seven, and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. Do you see the weight of their apostasy, of their turning their back on the Lord's? They served the Baals. They abandoned God. They went after other gods. They bowed down to these gods. They provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord. They, They served the Baals, they served the, the, these gods of, of the people of Canaan. Right, the Baals, there could be one of 70 different Baals, but they served them. Maybe it was the Baal of the weather, or maybe the fertility of the land. They served them. They served the Ashtoreth, the, the love and fertility gods. And so apostasy Means this in the book of Judges. It means abandoning God in favor of other gods. You know all that God has done for you. You don't see it, but you have faith. You know the stories. You should know the stories of all that God has done for you. So because of what He's done you, you serve Him. But apostasy means that you abandon God in favor of other gods. It means that you claim to be the people of God while acting like you belong to other gods. So you you might say all the right things, but your actions show otherwise. All right? Every once in a while, I do sermon illustrations. This is a hands-on one. This is a baseball, okay? Captain Obvious, this is a baseball, all right? This is from, I'm going to say, 1991. Woo, old guy, all right? So I was in college. Um, I played basketball my freshman year in college, um, for probably the best coach I ever played basketball for. Um, by the way, and one of the one of the guys on the floor where I lived, he loved to take. he was a baseball player, but he loved to take baseballs and like do artwork on them and write and do things. All right, and so this says um, the yellow right here says six six feet seven inches. There's like a little kind of sketchy drawing of like, I don't know if that's supposed to be me, whatever. And it says, any questions, Skywalker nice. (laughs) All right? I had ups back in the day. All right? But then this blue section right here, the blue lettering says, you can talk the game, but can you play the game? You can talk the game, but can you play the game? You say that God is your God, but do you follow him? You say all the right words, you talk good, but how are you living? Are you backing up what you're saying with how you live? That's what's happening here with the nation of Israel. They're claiming to be the people of God. They're talking really well. They're talking a good game. But how are they living? Are they backing up those words with action? And the answer we know is no. And so now in Judges chapter 2, verses 14 through tw- the first half of verse 20, we get the response of God for this spiritual situation of His people. And it's a funny way to break it apart, but the reason why I broke it apart that way is simply this. In Judges chapter 2, verse 14, we read these words, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. In chapter 2, the first part of verse 20, we read, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. God's angry. It's righteous anger. Because His people have turned their back on Him. And so there's this another kind of list of verbs in the first couple verses, verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2, where I read that God gave them over, he sold them, and that his hand was against them. And so those list of verbs that talk about how deep the apostasy was, you get a list of verbs that shows the display of his righteous anger towards his people. Now, you know, he had warned his people, right? His response, his his response of anger, right, was not something out of left field, right? Joshua, for Pete's sake, had warned them. Moses, before Joshua had warned the people that you have to be faithful to your gods, If you're not faithful, there are consequences. There's going to be punishment for your lack of faithfulness. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 15 through 68, is a list of just the call to be faithful, and if you're not, here's what's going to happen to you. So God has communicated to His people His expectation. Now, God is faithful to His promises. So we like to talk about God being faithful to His promises on the good stuff. Right, but do you realize in this word in these words God is faithful to his promises. You're not following me, I'm angry, there's consequences. Completely justified by the way cuz you're unfaithful to me. So he's faithful in the blessing, but he's also faithful in the discipline. We don't like to think about that. But if we think about that, It's a really good thing that God's faithful in His discipline because we need it, and it's how we grow. So basically, Israel has sold out against God, and so God sells them to their enemies. That's what happens. And the shocking reality here is that Israel's real enemy was not the Canaanites. It's God, right? God's sovereign. It's Him. It's God who's going to allow these nations to rise up and take them into captivity and make their lives miserable. Why? Because God's vindictive, God's hateful, God enjoys to see His people suffer? No. Because He wants them to repent. He wants them to to turn back to Him and say, "I am the one true God. Why are you going after the Baals? Why are you going after the Asher? Why are you doing? It? Come back to Me. I am who you needs." He's moved. By pity, we read in chapter two, verse 18, that God is moved to pity, to compassion for his people. So he, he has a solution. Okay, you're, 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 you're sinful, and, and you're you're turning your backs on me, but you're you're my people, and I am faithful to my people. You're, you're going to experience hardship and trial because of your unfaithfulness. Because I am true to my promises. I cannot turn a blind eye and turn my back to this. I have to respond. But I'm going to raise up judges to deliver you. That's grace. That's mercy. Even though there's no indication of confession, even though there's no indication of repentance, because you're going to see they they cry out because life is difficult and life is hard. God still is going to raise up judges to deliver His people. They're going to cry out for help. He's going to hear that cry, and He's going to act. But it's God who's doing the work. It is God who raises up each judge. And the power that this judge, the judge will have, the authority that this judge will have, comes from God and from his presence in the life of the judge. So it's God himself who is the true agent of deliverance. He's the one who delivers. It's not Othniel. It's not Ehud. It's not Shamgar. It's not Samson or Gideon. It's God who's delivering his people through these men. They are instruments of God's compassion and God's grace and God's mercy and God's deliverance of His people. But it's God who's doing the work. Even though Israel was treacherous, God's gracious. And the fascinating thing here is that the people aren't even going to listen to the judges. Chapter 2, verse 19. But whenever the judge died, they, the people, Israel, turned their back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them, and bowing down to them. That, that is the pattern of the book. That is the downward spiral of judges. God raises up a judge. There's, so there's, there's a relief from oppression. He delivers them from that oppression. The judge dies. The people forget. And they just, and it, and it's this, this downward spiral of corruption and treachery. But we, we see so many ways that, that God is faithful and that God is at work. He raises up the judge. His presence is with the judge. He's moved by pity and compassion for his people. He saves them. He offers them deliverance. He's faithful in spite of their faithlessness. And then the second half of chapter 2, verse 20 through the end of the chapter, we read, we read these words. And he said, because, of, because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have, and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly as he did, and he did not give them into the hands, nah, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. There's a shift here, right, in the way that God speaks, and you can miss it. But it's, it's very important because now God has seen the faithlessness of his people. God is righteously angry and justifiably angry against his people. And he's going to remain faithful to his promise to have to bring judgment on his people and to hold them into account, to call them to account for their sin and their treachery. But he's not, he's not speaking at this point. He doesn't speak to the people. Right? And you can miss it, right? He speaks about them. Right? And, and that's important. Right? He uses the word, this people, not my people, this people. There's alienation. There's, there's a separation now in the relationship of God to his people. Because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test them. Like, it's, it's, it's not personal anymore. He's talking about his people, not necessarily to his people. His people were faith, unfaithful. Right? And so there's this there's this tension now because of their unfaithfulness. Right? God had made a covenant with his people. God had promised Abraham land, that he'd be the father of many nations, that outnumber the stars in the heavens and the sand on the seashore. And through Abraham, all the, nation would, all the nations would be blessed. He has made a covenant promise that he will not break. But, but but part of that covenant promise was the faithfulness of his people right so so here's here's tension right because god's promised it right he's going to do it it's it's done right but yet there's still a sense of obligation where the people had to do but the people aren't doing They're not being faithful to the covenants. And so, but God can't break the covenants. He, he, he will not break this covenant, right? So, so the promise still stands. The promise still stands, but it's almost like he had to hit the pause button because of their unfaithfulness. Does that make sense? I don't want you to ever think that God changes. He doesn't change. But their lack of faith, it's just lack of faith, had consequences. He's not breaking the promise. They're gonna have land, they're gonna be a nation, they're gonna bless others, they're gonna be numerous. But you're not faithful. So it's not broken but i i've got to put it on pause because because you're not being faithful you've got you need to be faithful to me and so so there's this we see this right and so if if we if we take this tension right and and we move to the new testament right the the, the f- f- fulfillment of the covenant right there's the new covenant right that's fulfilled in in Christ and what he did, right? What did he do? He was perfectly faithful to the will of his Father to the point of laying down his life. And so it's in Christ that the covenant is fulfilled and it is complete. Jesus did everything that Israel was supposed to do. Jesus did everything that we're supposed to do, but we still have work to do. We're, to, we're still called to be faithful to God. We're still called to deal with our sin and confess it and repent and ask for forgiveness and do that work when, with our sin. But we, we can rest because of what Christ has done, but we still have to do And so God is going to leave these nations, right, in order to test Israel, in order to test his people, not tempt, test, to train them, to exercise them. Now he, he's gonna he's gonna leave these nations in place. But but here hear, hear these words. So the Lord left those nations, this is verse 23, not driving them out quickly. He's gonna drive them out. going to drive them out, but not quickly. So, he's faithful to his promise, but it's whose timing? Whose timing is God ultimately worried about? Mine? Please. His. It's God's plan. It's God's timing. It will be completed. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to bring it to completion. Probably not as fast as you want it to, but he's going to bring it to completion. I'm going to leave these nations to to, to to test them, to train them, to exercise them a little bit. Right, and, and the fascinating thing here, right, is is that it, and it's framed around war, and they didn't know war, and they had to learn how to fight. This is a, I skipped. Sorry. This is chapter. We're now in chapter three. The first six verses of chapter three. Right now, the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them—that is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan—it was, it was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war to teach war to those who had not known it before. All right. So, it, it, but it's it's not about. As much strategy of war as it is. Did you understand, right, people, who I am? Do you understand that I'm I'm holy? And, and, and I called you to be holy as I am holy, and that you're to be an example to the nations, I can't be in the presence of sin. And evil. And so when you come into this land, I'm going to ask you to purge this land of evil and purge this land because I I know that if if, if they're there, you're going to follow after them. So it's a way to it's a way to to test right their their obedience and their allegiance to God's. So, it's not so much military strategy here. Yeah, they need to learn how to fight, but it's like, do you trust me? Do you know who I am? And, and the people, right, needed this. Right? God knows all, right? He's omniscient. He knows everything. So he knows his people are going to fail. He knows his people are going to be unfaithful. He, he knows all of this. So it, the, this testing isn't for his benefit because he knows. but it's for the people. right? How faithful are you? Where's your allegiance truly lie? Here's a way for you to evaluate yourselves. Are you willing to do this for me? That's what he's asking his people to do. Yeah, you need to know how to fight. Yeah, there's there's military education. Or yeah, there's some strategy. But as you as you read through Right All they would have to do is, now, they didn't see it, but all they'd have to do is have someone say, "Hey, remember that what we, we heard about when when Joshua took the people, they cro- they crossed the Jordan River and and there and there was Jericho, this big, huge walled city, right? and And God, God gave Jericho to 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 his people, to, to our fathers and and the generations before us, by marching around it and shouting. it's not about as much education and, and training and military strategies. Do you trust? Do you trust me? Do, do, do you realize that it is me, God, the creator and sustainer of all, that fights for you? And so he leaves these four nations. There's, there's four nations that are listed here in this passage, in the first three verses of chapter three. The Philistines, who are kind of in the southwest part of the promised land. The Sidonians, who are kind of in the, the northwest portion of the promised land. The Hivites, who are in the northeast part of the promised land. And the Canaanites, who are kind of in the southeast porter, p- portion of the promised land. And so even just by naming those four nations, it's like, hey, the entire nation right is coming under the judgment of God here for their lack of faith and faithfulness. And so there's a a spiritual crisis in the land that encompasses, oh, by the way, all the lands. And he does this. Verse 4 tells us, They were for the testing of Israel, to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Moses. And then there's kind of this sobering conclusion to the introduction before we get to the judge Othniel. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. They settle down in the midst of these people, and they start becoming like those people. They start intermarrying with the Canaanites, which is a direct violation of Deuteronomy chapter seven verses three through four. right there's this this this, this comfort and this ease, remember, there's this lack of sense. and that's how the introduction ends with a clear, violation of the first principle of the covenant that they, they served other gods right so this serves right just three points of application this serves as a warning for us it should serve as a warning for us who are we aligning ourselves with <laughs> who are we serving do we find ourselves being really comfortable perhaps in, in, in this world in the ways of this world is there, is there spiritual amnesia going on in our own lives are we just we're, we're just looking for just a peaceful coexistence with the world it'll be all right Because what happens is we get, we, get, we get numb. I get numb. Maybe you don't. I get numb. The more comfortable I get, the nummer I get at times. And all of a sudden, there's a drift and a shift. And I, and I forget what God has done for me through Jesus. And there's an obligation to do and to seek to please Him and honor Him and all that I say and all that I, I do. So there's a warning. Right? But there's but God's mercy and God's compassion, right, is oozing through this passage. As hard as it is to, 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 to hear and, and to read, he's, he's faithful to his promises. It's in his timing that he is going to indeed act. It is for the glory of His name and to make Him great among the nations that He is going to indeed act. He called His people to be a light, to be a witness to the nations surrounding Him, and they failed in that. Right? God calls us. Jesus called us to go and make disciples. We are to be salt, and we are to be lights. There's a mission that God has, and it's for His glory, and it's to make His name known. There's a mission that we've been called to, and that is to share the gospel, to make His name known, and to glorify Him and all that He's done for us through His Son, Jesus, and by His grace that He would save people. And make them his people because of what Jesus has done. The gospel goes forth and the gospel bears fruit. That's what we're called to, to do. But number three, as, as we read this, it, it should be preparing us to look for a judge. A capital J judge. but a, a judge who's not going to die, and a judge who's going to secure the safety and the obedience of his people forever. Right? It should point us forward to think of Jesus. who was who, who that? Who was that judge? Who died but who God raised after the third day and who now sits exalted at the right hand of God the Father. The judge who has defeated the enemy of sin and the enemy of death. Who has secured his victory once and for all. It's over. Satan's defeated. He knows it. It's Jesus who's accomplished that. And he, and he secures our obedience. right? If you think about that, even, even when we, 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 we fail, right? even when we sin, Christ died for that sin. So God looks at Jesus and He sees your sin on Him. But He looks at me, right, and He sees the perfection of Jesus on me. I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm His child's he's rescued, he's saved, he holds. He's our inheritance. We have it in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your words. Lord, I thank you for the book of Judges. Lord, and and you know our hearts Lord, you know that our hearts are desperately wicked and sick. Lord, and you know that we have such a tendency to look at the nation of Israel and be like, ugh, how could they? Lord, but you don't call us to evaluate the nation of Israel. You call us to look at Israel and use that to evaluate our own hearts. And so I pray that you would help us to do that work, Lord, that we would be honest with ourselves, Lord, that we would look deep into our hearts, Lord, and that the the sin that is there, Lord, that you in your grace would show us that so we can confess that sin, Lord, that we can turn and repent from that sin, Lord, that we can offer forgiveness where it needs to be offered. Lord, and we do this work because of what you have done Through Christ. Lord, that's why we do this work. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not be comfortable in this world. Lord, that we would be comfortable in in you and in the gospel and who we are in Christ, and that would inform the way that we live our lives. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damascata, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit twinvillageschurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria.